Let me get a 10-piece hot, extra crispy, extra wet. Let me get a blue cheese. Matter of fact, two. I'm on celery and fries and a peach drink. And make sure my fries is hot because they was cold last time. to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, hosted by the Young Aunties. Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. Y'all know the Young Aunties. We don't come into a room without introducing ourselves. So we're going ahead and get it started. I'll start with myself. I'm Auntie Kirby, a.k.a. Where's Kirby Ann, a.k.a. The West Side Woodnip, and I'm checking in from the SWATs. As usual, I'm going to give it over to one of our recurring aunties. Killer, tell them who you are. Unmute yourself. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hey, everybody. I'm Aunt Kaylee, a.k.a. Killer Kaylee with No Kills, a.k.a. the original Kaylee established in 1985. Hashtag stop gentrifying my name. Period. And also to one of our new aunties, go ahead and introduce yourself, Auntie T. Hey, y'all. My name is Auntie Trisha. No CIA. You spell my name T-R-I-S-H-A. Also, reading is fundamental. There's no P-A in front of my name. It's not Patricia, y'all. It's just Trisha. Awesome. Period. And last but not least, our extra, extra, extra special guest. Uh, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Mr. Gerald out in the West reducing stress. On here with these aunties. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Audience, those of you that are listening or watching, y'all are going to really enjoy this. We got a special episode set up for you. So we're going to keep it going like we always do. Now, y'all know we got to talk about our wing orders for today. Now, we in the South again. So we're going to let our guest, our extra, extra special guest, give us his order. What you eating on today, Aunt? I need I need Tabasco sauce with butter on mine with some powdered ranch dressing, some ranch dipping sauce, carrots, celery, and a large lemonade. Then I need to pull my shoes off. <laughs> Period. <laughs> love that. Love that. That actually sounds good. I might have to try that. Publix here I call. Auntie Trisha, what's on your plate today, girl? I've been really wanting some Korean barbecue. So I'm talking about the pork, the beef, the chicken with all of this uh, marinades and the side dishes, the kimchi, the bean sprouts, a little soju, right? I'm trying to do very a very Korean barbecue time. Okay, period. And I think, Kayla, what you eating on today, girl? Um, I think I'm going to have some habanero. Uh, what was from Buffalo Wild Wings? The habanero mango uh, yes. boneless wings. Yes, mm-hmm. with some chunky blue cheese and a side of celery. That's what I, that's my order for today. Period. Well, you know, I'm from the Swats. I'm going to keep it real, real west side today. I want some lemon pepper hot, extra crispy, extra wet. I want my fries swimming. I want extra chunky blue cheese from JR Crickets. Yes. All the celery you can give me. Um, and I'm going to do a half lemonade, half peach drink because, you know, Ooh. of course I want my blood sugar to be high. So that's what I'm dealing with today. And I might even have a slice of cheesecake, probably something that I made on my own. We're going to see. Well, good. Glad everybody's got full plates today. We're going to get into it. Um, let's move into really quick our auntie of the week. So, y'all, considering that we have a really amazing guest, I decided that I would have an auntie um, that is close to some of the expertise. Um, and some of the conversations that we're going to be having today. 
So our auntie of the day or auntie of the week is actually going to be Valerie Ford. Uh, may she rest in peace. Um, some years ago, uh, due to a domestic violence uh, case, um, she and her daughter were slain by the father and uh, boyfriend um, at the time. And um, we now have Valerie's Law, uh, which is up on the ballots um, and is going to be voted on soon, making sure that domestic violence victims um, and people who are survivors of domestic violence are able to get the care that they need. Um, in this particular situation, Ms. Valerie Ford was consistently contacting police, letting them know that she was dealing with a, a situation, a circumstance that she couldn't handle on her own. And unfortunately, in that circumstance, she was not believed and help was not given to her in the way in which she needed to, which unfortunately led to her death. And so we want to honor her today. May she rest in eternal peace, her and her daughter, Jazara. Um, and that is our auntie of the week, Miss Valerie Ford. Um, moving forward, we're going to take a look at a couple of pieces of uh, things for the relationship and romantic here in Atlanta and the Georgia area. Auntie Kaylee, tell us about what's going on in Beaufort. <laughs> well, there's a little love, love lost or maybe no love lost for some of these people. So in a, there's a story about a love triangle. Uh, the Gwinnett County Police Department believes 27-year-old Antonetta Stevens and 17-year-old Janine Gonzalez lured 30-year-old Ashley Bocanegra to an apartment on Beaufort Drive on August 11th. It appears that Gonzalez's brother was involved in a romantic relationship with both Stevens and Bocanegra. After an altercation with the two women, Bocanegra arrived at a local hospital with severe injuries. A few hours later, uh, she died. So Stevens and Gonzalez have been arrested and charged with aggravated battery, robbery, and felony murder. So rest in peace to Miss Bocanegra. Um, I don't know. How do y'all feel about this? I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's tragic. Um, it's always interesting that the woman will go after the other woman. The mm -hmm. man who like is supposed to be the one that, that y'all have a commitment with or two, but I don't know. How do y'all feel about that? Yeah. Auntie Trisha, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on that? I have so many thoughts <laughs> because one with all these lonely men, why would y'all be fighting over the one? We just we just found out women are choosing. Why? Why? Why are we killing each other when there's so many lonely men online? Find one of them, you know. But also this baby that's 17, why is this your business? I'm, the man is 30. The other woman is 27. What is this child doing in grown folks' business? I'm very confused about a lot of that's going on. Listen, you know, I don't know exactly what the age of consent is in Georgia, but even if it is 17, yeah, yeah, you probably want to stay out of grown folks' business. That's a lot. And we hate that somebody had to lose their life over this type of situation. But it also just sheds a light on the fact that we've got to start having different kind of conversations with our kids. Um, again, like you said, stay out of grown folks' business. Uh, be thoughtful about the type of people that you hang around. I can think about a personal situation. Well, not a personal situation, but one that I'm aware of where a friend uh, actually involved one of their best friends in a crusade to get uh, evidence on their significant other, their wife at the time, uh, during a divorce proceeding, and could have gotten that person in trouble for stalking because they were literally outside of his house taking pictures of the wife while she was in the process of doing some things she had no business doing. So, you know, we're not going to act like she was innocent. But at the same time, y'all, we got to be careful out here. That is, uh, whew, that is crazy. Uh, Mr. Gerald, have you ever witnessed any type of love triangle situations in your counseling and therapy experience? Well, a lot of times uh, it's not unusual to uh, have someone seek therapy because they discover some sort of love triangle. That phone will tell on you, you know, uh, 
okay. he put that phone down to go get gas and baby's name came up and then it's on right and it can start a big a big conflict but I think to you guys' point, women, both men and women have to be careful in relationships. They can, we need them for our survival, but they can, they can also be dangerous depending on who we're working with, as you can see. And this is a worldwide epidemic of violence against women, not just in Atlanta, not just here in California. This is happening all over the world that women are finding themselves in violent relationships and getting beat up and men too. But, but mm -hmm. it's more likely that women are gonna end up dead than, than, than men. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll chat a little bit later uh, more about that. We've got some other questions for you around that as well. Moving forward, um, something a little, a, a little bit sad, but also a little bit good. You know, oftentimes we have these conversations about men um, not always participating in the lives of their children. Uh, but this most recent Father's Day back in June, there was actually an article saying that men at the Atlanta Mission were actually fighting to improve their lives and relationships with their families. Um, it was reported that oftentimes, of course, Father's Day can be complicated for some people, uh, but that doesn't stop families from trying to mend relationships. And CBS, the article that I'm reading here, actually interviewed several men that were at the Atlanta Mission um, as they were trying to improve their lives and, again, the relationships with their children. Um, people like Kevin Holland talked about how it was by the grace of God that he found this particular shelter. He had fallen on hard times um, and needed some support in being able to be the best father that he could, the best man that he could to support himself and to support his family as well. Um, it spoke about the fact that a lot of these fathers talk about the pain that they feel and the suffering that they go through and the the, the hit to their egos uh, when they're not able to provide for their families, when they're not able to see them, whether it be to being a part of the unhomed population or due to illness um, or due to lack of employment, all kinds of things. Um, a quote from here, I think that every one of our dads wanted to be a great dad, the circumstances or whatever happened, um, and they didn't happen to live up to it, but they haven't necessarily lost the dream uh, to be a great dad. That comes from the CEO of the Atlanta Mission, uh, Jim Reese. Um, it also just talks about fatherhood in general and how happy some of the fathers have been because of the fact that the Atlanta Mission was able to support them through some hard times in their lives to be able to see their families. So my question to the panel is, you know, what has your experience with Father's Day been like? Um, have there been positive and negative? Or have you seen instances where a father has been able to move in a positive manner in the lives of their children and their significant others. Uh, Auntie Kaylee, I'll come to you first. Um, well, I mean, I think, well, in regards to the story, I think it's wonderful. I think there needs to be more resources for um, fathers and men who want to be, uh, who get, want to be involved and engaged in their children's lives. Um, so I think that's wonderful that they have uh, this resource. Um, you know, I have a, I have a great dad. Um, I am lucky to have a wonderful father. My parents have been married for, I don't know, 39 years or so. So I think it'll be 40 this year. So, um, you know, my dad has been um, a wonderful dad and a strong male figure in my life um, and a father to others. Um, so, you know, that's my dad. And I wish everyone had that, um, a father like that in their lives. Fair enough, fair enough. Auntie Trisha, did you have anything to contribute in that area? Yeah, no. Um, my, I don't have a relationship with my father. I have not had a relationship with my father for the most of my growing up. There were moments where we have tried to reconnect. It just did not happen. Um, and so I am happy for these men who have chosen to work for their family. I also think that the opportunity to work on yourself in absence of raising children while you're working on yourself is a grace that women don't get. And so I am happy that it's for them, but I just wish that 
there was that opportunity for everyone to say, I want to be a parent, better parent while I'm not also parenting, you know? That is a very uh, fair and unique perspective. I haven't heard that. I appreciate that, Trisha. Uh, Mr. Gerald, any uh, any thoughts on that? Well, you know, my, my relationship with my dad was, was kind of bittersweet, you know? Um, he did the best he could, but he came up short in some ways. And I didn't really know my father as well as I would have liked to until I got into recovery myself. Then I learned what my father was faced with and I had a lot more compassion for him. Um, but out here in Alameda County where I am, we have the fatherhood initiative um, that I work with and we try to help dads. We usually get a call from some dad that is estranged from his partner that's seeking to um, deal with that situation and also be a father. So we have resources where we teach parenting and anger management and how to be a family apart and how to navigate the court system. We're trying to just, you know, on some level, trying to mitigate the conflict between the mother and the father so that they can be good parents. Because the kids can usually deal with a family apart. What they can't deal with is thinking that you might harm the mother or the mother might harm you or all that acrimony in the relationship. That's harder to deal with. Understood, understood. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And tell me again the name of the initiative that you work with out there in Alameda. The, the Fatherhood Initiative. And, okay. and that's a that's a nationwide sort of, of uh, program. So there, there are chapters all over the country. Okay, okay. That is amazing. I love that. I love that. Um, moving forward, Kaylee, it sounds like an a ex-UGA-er is... Uh, getting ahead in the polls and uh, also getting ahead in the fisticuffs. Tell us more. <laughs> yes, it's quite unfortunate that he's ahead in the polls. Do better, Georgia, but that's not here nor there. So Herschel Walker, uh, the Democrats are trying to fight back in a couple of ads that uh, they just came out with uh, recently. So one of the ads features, um, it shows Herschel Walker admitting that he put a gun to his ex-wife's head um, and then also his ex-wife, uh, describing in great detail the abuse and threats she allegedly suffered at the hands of Walker. Um, the second ad um, that is entitled Threatened um, also cites a 2008 CNN article about Walker's memoir uh, in which he revealed he suffered from disassociative identity disorder. Um, and these ads are part of a planned $33 million ad blitz. So... Um, when I saw this, I thought it was fair. I mean, I think this is part... It should be part of the record. He has no... He has no other record other than football records. So um, if the only other records he um, has are criminal records, I think mm -hmm. that's <laughs> relevant for all of us to make an informed decision about who we're voting for. Also, um, I would like to hear more about this disassociative identity disorder and how that might impact him. Um, I don't know, Mr. Chambers, if you've had the opportunity to see him speak, but is <laughs> he often is made fun of because it doesn't seem like he can make coherent sentences. Would that have anything to do with mental health issues or just low IQ or possibly CTE? Well, I, I think it, now, now, first of all, I'm not, um, um, you know, I've never talked to Herschel Walker and I can't uh, like evaluate him, but I can tell you from what I see on TV, he's having trouble putting sentences together. Could be CTE, could be some sort of other mental health problem, could be uh, just not good public speaking skills. I don't know, but it sounds like word salad to me. 
And it's not unusual in our current political environment to vote for people that, you know, it's a lot of people in politics that don't make sense. He's not the only one. Okay. Right? <laughs> Talking <laughs> out the side of the neck, right? <laughs> That's the dangerous thing. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, our, our society seems to be in some ways uh, selecting for a personality that lacks empathy and that, uh, uh, we, and we don't mind violence as a society. We don't mind violence. We just don't, don't like violence against us. <laughs> when it's mm -hmm. against somebody else, we don't care. So he could go for He could be president. I don't know. It's scary, oh. right? Mentally <laughs> ill. And he wouldn't be the first mentally ill president. <laughs> no, he would not. My thing is, if you're going to have a mental That's illness. That's part. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's a trick. My thing is, if you gonna have a mental illness, then why are you not advocating for free health care? You in the wrong party, sir. <laughs> you gonna, gonna blame mental illness for your violence, but then you don't want free health care? I, I don't, I don't understand. Make it make sense to me. Okay. Well, listen. I don't know if it's a Caesar salad, a tall salad, a cob salad, <laughs> whatever it is uh, that he has going on. Over. Um, but I. Uh, I might just have them give me a plate of fried chicken. Wait, said, what? He said what? <laughs> I said he said inflation was, was hard on women because y'all got to buy groceries. Oh, <laughs> he said inflation was hard on women because you guys got to buy groceries. <laughs> oh my god, that's what he said. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Jesus being EBT card. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, our next story, um, actually, this is from earlier uh, this year. Um, there were uh, a lot of data that was collected around how domestic violence actually increased yeah. uh, to Mr. Gerald's point uh, earlier in the conversation um, over the course of the pandemic. Um, it actually increased by about 25 to 33 percent globally in 2020 um, and specifically in Georgia. Um, it was about $5 million requested uh, from the Georgia Budget Office to help victims um, and service programs and shelters, which were struggling during that time point. Most beds were full. Um, a lot of women were having trouble uh, getting out of domestic violence situations. Um, and then apparently from March 2020 to March, October 2021, it was only about $5.8 million as a new operating cost domestic violence budget uh, for violence shelters. And then even some closed down. And so to Mr. Gerald's point about it being a global issue, um, and in impacting Georgia, did any of you all, if you're willing to share, have any friends or family that were dealing with any issues that were hard to get out of or were trying to assist others that were trying to get out of domestic violence situations here in Georgia and the Atlanta area? Yeah. yeah, my unfortunately, my sister is, a, is a, the person who is often the violent partner. And so in that situation is a complicated because I'm my relation is not to the person who is the victim. My relation is to the person that is the uh, I don't know what the word is for the, the person who's not the victim, the harmful one. The perpetrator, maybe? perpetrator. Thank you. <laughs> right. And so it is it, the complication is only that you you want to protect those who are being harmed, but you also it's just a, it's a hard thing to do. And it was very, I mean, it, it lasted, I want to say, everyone got safely out of that situation. Maybe the following winter, it happened over the summer and by winter, everyone was fine, but it was a long, long time. Yeah. 
Um, I will say for myself, I actually finally got out of an abusive relationship myself um, in February of 2021. Um, I won't share a whole, whole bunch of details just because it's still a little bit fresh, but I can say that the pandemic definitely brought a lot of behavior to the surface um, in my relationship. And so finally getting an opportunity to see pathological lying for what it is, emotional abuse for what it is, spiritual abuse, financial abuse um, for what it is, and even unfortunately experiencing um, two, um, two isolated incidences of physical abuse. Um, you know, oftentimes people talk about, well, why doesn't she leave? And what's wrong with her? And she's gotta be crazy. And why would you stay with that man? A lot of times, and I'll only speak from my perspective and people that I've had a chance to talk to, you don't always realize that you're in an abusive situation, and especially when there's no physical abuse that is actually happening at that point. Um, emotional abuse, financial, spiritual abuse, it can be very tricky because you can think that you're just having arguments over the same arguments over and over again when in actuality the person is just stringing you along and you're asking for solutions and saying, well, please, would you do this? And it hurts me when you do this. And would you not say these types of things? And they'll apologize and, you know, be quote unquote empathetic or sorrowful initially in that initial interaction. But as time goes on and that apology, uh, the, or should I say the, uh, the, the goodness or the realness of that apology sort of wanes, the behavior starts all over again. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely, I was definitely confused because anybody that knows me would be like, well, why would she be in a situation where these kind of things are going on? But sometimes, because hashtag chemical love, because it is a chemical, you can convince yourself, or at least I convince myself, and my therapist always tells me to use I statements because I have a tendency to say you. I convince myself that, well, you know what, if I just continue to repeat myself and continue to share how harmful this is, that it will get better. And this person will begin to, because they say that they love me, they'll begin to adjust their behavior because I've adjusted my behavior when you've communicated to me things that you don't like, things you don't appreciate. Um, but that was there was no reciprocity there. And so I think that's a good time to transition and to actually get into our feature, which is Mr. Gerald today. Um, so again, so excited to have you. One of the first questions as it relates to you and your background that I wanted to ask is, what made you become a marriage and family uh, therapist? I think it found me, right? I come out of one of those households, right? Where I was always trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. You know, as a kid, I was I was wounded in some ways. My mom and dad had a domestic violence situation going on and, and me watching them interact. I, you know, it informed my beliefs about women. It informed my beliefs about men. I was a little empathetic kid and, and I just never felt okay with that. And I was always just trying to figure out what happened. Uh, and what was going on, how to protect myself, didn't like my father, love my father, didn't like my mother, love my mother, just a lot of confusion, you know? And uh, so this, this uh, the my psychotherapy work just kind of was always something that I was interested in, even if I didn't know it, like, what's wrong? Why am I going through this? And so I, as I got older, I just got more of an opportunity to see that I really had an affinity for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, and I know that we've got kind of a couple of questions between the other aunties, but y'all, this is conversational. So if you want to jump in and ask Mr. Gerald a question, absolutely. Um, anyone want to uh, add something else to that part of the conversation? How did you switch from being someone who was raised in a home that had trauma to being healed from that trauma to healing others from that trauma? What was that? I journey? got in, I got in a, 
I got in a lot of trouble behind it myself, you know, and and like uh, as see, I became I was trying to avoid being like my dad and anything you run from, I think you run into. And I just ran into the same stuff and it really frightened me. And I got in a lot of trouble and I was kind of forced to change. And it just so happened that the conditions were right for me to change, the right things were around. You know, I know from my experience in recovery that uh, medicine and religion and psychiatry are not sufficient for us. Doesn't mean we don't need it, but it's not sufficient. I also needed some recovery from substance use because if you don't feel good in relationships, you're gonna turn to something. And I turn to drugs. If you don't feel good, who who doesn't like drugs, right? If you tell me you don't like drugs, I don't really trust you, right? Um, so I, I use drugs and got in a lot of trouble, right? And then it was that trouble that gave me the gift of desperation mm. and having the right things around me to help me move forward. Ooh, that hit me and my shaman out, the gift of desperation. I've never heard it described in that way. Um, <laughs> It makes so much sense, though, because, I mean, we think about it, trials and tribulations that we go through throughout our life, oftentimes the, the turn, the, the, you know, the, the, the deciding factor is I'm between a rock and a hard place. Either I'm going to continue to do what I'm, I'm doing and I'm going to either die spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever, or I'm going to make a change and say, OK, what else can I do? Because I ain't what I've been doing hasn't been working. So ooh, mm-hmm. I love that. Wow, desperation, uh, a, a tool. It's something that sounds like it's negative, but obviously a tool for change. I love that. Um, Auntie Kaylee, did you have any particular specific questions for uh, Mr. Chambers? Well, I guess in the same vein of just domestic abuse or emotional abuse, um, let's say there's two partners, um, and let's not say it's at the level of emotional abuse, but there's an argument that perhaps some words are said in exchange, and it, it might go a little bit too far. Feelings are hurt. Um, how do you rebuild rapport and trust after a situation like that? Well, I, I can tell you what I observe most people doing. And then I can tell you what I think we, we should strive for, right? So what most people do is, first of all, we're only as good in relationships as the relationships we've been in. So if you've been in poor relationships, you kind of carry that forward until you have some sort of intervention. And a lot of times we've been in abusive relationships, neglectful, uh, uh, verbally abusive, maybe even physically abusive. And we don't even understand what physical abuse or emotional abuse is. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get into conflicts with each other, a lot of times what we do is we use distance. We just separate from each other until we calm down and then we come back together, but we really haven't solved any problem. Mm -hmm. Now, what we really need to do, I think, is to become aware of our conflict tactics. So that's what I needed, right? I needed to to understand my own conflict tactics. When when we have a conflict with someone, our emphasis is on controlling the other person. If I could just get you to stop doing something, everything would be fine. But what I really needed to learn is what was I doing that was contributing to the problem? And then once I can bring my conflict tactics under my conscious control, I do much better in relationships. That's where I've been really successful. Now, conflicts are hard now, don't get me wrong, but I just become more aware of how I, through my failure to accept personal responsibility, I actually create my own problems. Mm. See, I come from one of them households where we start hollering and we start yelling and 
that the minute I have a difference of opinion with you, I want to start doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I just had to become aware of that. Everybody else knew. <laughs> I was the yeah. last one to know. And so what happens when, yeah, you do come from a family where maybe you communicate loudly or you start yelling and that's a trigger for the other person. And even those like, I'm, you know, that is my argument style or whatever. I didn't understand how that could be a trigger for someone. How do you move past that in a situation uh, where that person may have been an emotionally abused person or in a domestic violence relationship previously? Well, well, you know, I need to be able to basically do three things. I need to say what the problem is, how that problem makes me feel, and what I would prefer, right? Now, even though you do that, it doesn't mean that the other person is going to change. And at that point, I have to be willing to enforce my own boundary. I need to do something. Let's just say other people don't change. We, I do, right? So now that's a hard thing when you invested with somebody and you're moving in and you're living together and you got everything intertwined like that. And so some of the problems, some of the conflicts that we have with intimate partners cannot be resolved. They have to be managed. It's not like you could, like you do with a light bulb where you just screw out the burnt out light bulb and put another one in. I got to manage my behavior. Me and my wife are different. We're entirely different. Mm. <laughs> she don't like the same stuff I like. <laughs> And we have to work through that, right? And I, we have to both be in a successful relationship. We have to both be willing to do that. Right. Absolutely. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but. I mean, yes. Come on, manage, not resolve. Uh, Trisha, you had a follow-up? I did, but I feel like you answered it. My question was going to be, if what if the difference is just cultural? So there's no harm involved. There's no healing that needs to be done. But because of their cultural upbringing, and the partner's cultural upbringing, there's always tension and conflict. Is it still just about managing my own self or is that where you walk away? Well, you know, there's this thing about compatibility. Can you tolerate it? Can you stand it, right? We, you know, like like some of these problems with intimate uh, violence and, and conflict, we don't know until we get close to people. I have a condition that the closer I get to you, the more uncomfortable I get. And no relationship is permanent. Sometimes we have to say, well, wait, this isn't working. We, we got to do something. Else. We got to step back. We got to do something else. That's the hard part, you know? And, and I don't think necessarily conflict is bad. Con- there can be constructive conflict. If you kill the conflict in a relationship, you kill the relationship. Hmm. Right? When people come to me and they say, we haven't had an argument in in 10 years, five months, five minutes, I'm like, who checked out? Mm. Okay. You know, because we're different. And 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 think about it like this. Here's a good way to think about it. The baby cries, right? The infant cries because he's dependent on the mother or the father. And he's crying to let you know that hey, hey, I need some help. That the conflict is taking the place of crying after we get older. I'm, the conflict is me trying to say, hey, something is going on in this relationship and I need some help. How, how empathetic is your partner? How attuned is your partner? Those are issues of compatibility that we need to explore while we're having tea on that first date. Before we move in and before we uh, start mixing bodily fluids and all that kind of stuff, right? 
like uh, Kirby said, you know, it's chemical, right? We get attached to people. These relationships are easy to get into and hard to get out of. You know that. I'm that dude. You go out with me for six months and spend two years trying to get rid of me. <laughs> I'm that dude. You need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. Oh. Y'all laughing. I know y'all know what I'm talking about, huh? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. I feel like this is a good time to transition to some of the um, questions that you sent, Trisha. Um, if you don't mind, um, can you jump into a couple of those? Yes. Before I, we started talking to you, I sent these questions in. Um, I would like to know, like, what are the top internal forces and the top external forces that make a relationship have the most potential to succeed? All right. Well, uh, like, like I think being able to speak your mind, mm. right? That's one thing. Like, like re relationships, like my relationship. This is the only thing I can talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Is my my relationship. I, it, it, it's a whole bunch of ways to be successful. I can't give you like a list of things to do. I can just tell you what I do. My relationship is a democracy, right? Mm -hmm. Hard challenging because my wife gets to speak her mind she gets to vote to vote right and i appreciate that because she's hella smart right <laughs> i need her i need her wisdom right mm -hmm. i don't know everything and the hard part about a democracy and the reason why we don't have one in the united states is because you don't get everything you want mm -hmm. you get what you can live with mm -hmm. and what's good for the group is usually good for me so the decisions that we come up with they pretty good, right? <laughs> Even though I don't get what I want all the time. And sometimes I don't think it's gonna work, but so far it's worked every time we have consensus. And, and we don't really have democracy anywhere, not on the job, not anywhere. So the only place I can really shoot for democracy is in my relationship, mm. right? Now that takes a whole, you know, it took an intervention for me to stop acting like my daddy, right? He was a my way or the highway type guy. Mm. Okay, you see, <laughs> I so was I, too, and then I ended up on the highway. I have a question. Is <laughs> speaking your mind? Um, so, what do you do if you have a partner who has problems communicating, communicating their feelings or mm -hmm. like their interpersonal thoughts? How do you encourage a partner who might suffer from that or have difficulties with that? Um. I think do the, do the three things we talked about. What's the problem? How does it make you feel? What do you prefer? And then uh, I think we encourage. I think love is about trying to bring the best out of people, right? And now remember, a lot of the conflict that men and women have come because we're basically different. Now, if you think about men being hunters and gatherers and women, I mean, men being hunters and women being gatherers, right? Women would be at the base camp taking care of children, coordinating, coordinating food, picking nuts and berries. We're going to live off that. 80% of that activity we're going to live off of. I'm going to be out hunting for food with other men. We're not going to talk. If you're out there talking, you're going to run off the game. So men, for the most part, don't talk the same way women do. So some of it is going to be I'm accepting that he's a little bit different. But I'm also encouraging him to work on his communication skills at the same time and trying to be patient with that. 
Now, in order to make a relationship work, we got to be willing to work on the stuff that's coming up now. If he's not willing, there's not much you can do. But if you have somebody that you can bring that up with and talk to about it, and then you can urge to talk to other men about feelings, then you got something. Okay. Okay. Feelings, feelings, feelings. That is a word that keeps on popping up, which brings me back to some of my own individual therapy where my therapist was teaching me about, because when I initially went into individual therapy last year, uh, my therapist recognized that I tend to think more than I feel. Um, and she taught me an important balance of understanding that wise decisions come from what you feel and what you think. Because if you only use what you feel or only use what you think, this, the decision may not be wise and it'll be unbalanced and then the outcome will not be good for you. But speaking of feelings, what has been your experience with helping either couples or individuals recognize what their feelings are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, that's a good question, right? My, my dad was uh, alexithymic. That word means no words for feelings. So he wasn't able to help me identify and label my feelings. That's part of the reason why he was acting out. And that's part of the reason why I acted out because I could only make you feel what I was, was thinking without words. I was lashing out because I didn't have the vocabulary. That's why therapy didn't work for me when I first entered it because I didn't have any words for feelings, right? So, uh, uh, we need to put and 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 in order to do the three things that I'm talking about, what's the problem? How does it make you feel? This is different, right? These are two different statements. Uh, when you come home late, I think you out with another woman, right? That's one statement. But when you out late, it makes me feel inadequate. That's a completely different statement. And if you can't say anything about feelings, you're always basically accusing and blaming another person. So that's what I'm trying to help couples do. That's the problem a lot of times that they're having. I, you know, when I walk in the house and I see dishes in the sink, I think you've been sitting on your ass all day. That's different than, you know, that's dang, we getting ready to fight, right? Mm -hmm. it's, that's different than when I see dishes in the sink, I feel frustrated. Right. Mm -hmm. I I would prefer that we figure out a way to keep the sink clean. If you can't mm -hmm. do that, stay out of a relationship. And I think a lot of people have problems with vulnerability because to, sure. to put it back on me and, and how that makes me feel. If I say I feel inadequate or you're making me feel this way, a lot of people have problems like even, you know, expressing that. Um, and fear that the person might weaponize them. But of course, if the person does weaponize those statements, that's not the person for you, right? Right, right, right. And again, we're shooting for safety in relationships. A mm -hmm. lot of us don't have a lot of experience with interpersonal safety. Mm -hmm. We feel unsafe a lot of time. We don't speak up because we think we're going to be rejected. A lot of times, the, the, won't nothing mess your life up like another dude. Even men, we tell each other, oh, man, you can't tell her that. You a simp. Look at these cats on the internet talking about relationships. They bitching, moaning, griping, and complaining and blaming women. They're not talking about feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. right? So, man, we get bad information about how to be in relationships. So if you, so say there's another young man that is struggling with talking about his emotion or a person, any young man, young woman who is young or old, a person, right? Who is struggling with talking about their emotions and their feelings. 
how do they get to that point outside of a relationship? Because I feel like if they get in a relationship, that partner is going to have to do work that they probably shouldn't be doing or be suffering because they're, the person is trying to learn through them how to talk about their feelings. How do we do that outside of relationships? Well, we don't. Relationships. We, we don't, right? We oh. never leave relationships. We're always in relationships. Do we have the right <laughs> kind? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not even, I, I don't even tell men to talk to women about this. We need to talk to each other about it. Mm-hmm. Because my wife ain't my damn therapist. <laughs> she ain't my sponsor. <laughs> I don't want her doing that emotional work. Right. Yeah. There's some stuff I don't even talk to her about. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, de- I, re- I uh, need to have some privacy. I go mm-hmm. someplace, I go to a meeting and talk about that so she don't have to deal with that. I could tell. I could tell my wife some things about my history that would frighten her. There's no need for me to go into that. Yeah. There's no, you know, you don't do another person like that. You don't owe a person ends unless it won't hurt you or them. Right. And it's not being dishonest. I got some place to talk about that, the process that you could do that in a therapy. You could do that in a 12 step meeting. You could do that with the right homeboys, but you got to have some place. And, and sometimes because we feel like individuals in this society, men don't think relationships are important. Mm. We don't survive without them. Wow. Ah, you hit on something very important, which is this idea of privacy, individual privacy in a relationship and understanding what parts of yourself or your history to communicate with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say, honestly, that that was something that I struggled with, not just in a romantic relationship, but in friendships, because I grew up in a space where my business is everybody's business. I had to tell my grandparents every single intricate detail of my life. And so getting older, I felt like I wasn't bonding with someone if they didn't have a 360 degree view of me. Now getting into my uh, mid thirties, I'm understanding like, yeah, you don't need to know everything because everything about me is not going to impact you in certain ways. Right. So, you know, if you could just expand on that idea of personal privacy in a relationship and not just romantic relationships, but period, understanding essentially boundaries, communication boundaries. Right. Well, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about yourself, you might think that in order to feel better, you need to tell everybody everything. Hmm. But I've been in relationships with women where I told them some stuff about my history and they start running so goddamn fast. I wanted to start running. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, black people, if black people start running, you start running too. Right. right? <laughs> so I don't need to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I've talked to people and told them some stuff about me and they say, that's fine, sir. But I just came to the grocery store to get a gallon of milk. <laughs> No one likes it. You know, just totally inappropriate. Right? right? Now, right. now, now, here's something about intimacy, right? If you wanna, if you want a fire to get going and, and burn hot and high, don't smother it. Mm-hmm. Give it some room. Mm-hmm. So I gotta do my work away from my relationship to feel all right in my own skin. I can't use her to try to feel better. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. She goes. I'm wearing her out. Look, 
women already do two and a half times more work around the house. I'm embarrassed to tell y'all this, right? <laughs> they already do two and a half times more work. She don't That's need to be my therapist. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's personal responsibility. I got mm -hmm. homeboys for that. <laughs> then I can't be mad when I tell her something and she's looking at me funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or it's yeah. coming back up in a conflict or something. Oh, Ooh. no. And you we talked a little bit earlier about uh, the finger pointing. You know, men saying women is mm -hmm. you. Women saying no, men is you. Um, mm -hmm. How do we bridge this gap? Because it seems like um, a problem that the black millennial uh, culture right now is like there's always something going on. Who's at fault? You know, look at this situation. Is it the woman's fault? Is it the men's fault? Why aren't we dating? What's going on? What's wrong with y'all? So uh, how can we bridge the gap on both sides? I don't know. I know how I do it. How <laughs> 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 can't give y'all no damn advice about that, right? Here, look. <laughs> If you're swimming with somebody in the swimming pool and you push their head down, it don't make you no higher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. What would sound like talking crazy about my wife? I chose her. Mm -hmm. Right? So oh. blame doesn't get us anywhere. After you get through blaming somebody, you still got to deal with the problem you got. Mm -hmm. And and you know, in some of my some of my, my videos, I talk about this, right? Uh mm -hmm. like if I need my wife. I need to be able to turn to my wife. I don't need to turn her into some adversary or some monster, right? This is a critical relationship. So I think positively about her. I don't blame her for anything. That's personal responsibility. I don't even blame myself. I was in a situation I did the best I could at that time. That's what I knew. So now let's move into a it, but but I have the luxury of some recovery. You know, I have the luxury of not being in a spiritual or emotional foxhole. Mm -hmm. And I can just look around and see that, I, you know, I made some mistakes. Sure, I did. She did, too. And, and how do we fix it? I want to be in the marriage. You know, mm -hmm. I ain't holding my nose in it. <laughs> this is critical. You know, so I don't want to blame her. Because if I start blaming her, she cannot turn to me. And remember, we're mammals. Mammals are different than other animals. When we feel overwhelmed or isolated and alone, we turn to each other. We don't climb trees. We don't burrow holes as a first course. We need to, I want her to be able to turn to me, make myself mm -hmm. easy to talk to. And then I'm strong enough. I don't have to blame her. That's a weak move. I tell the man that you're in the weakest possible position, blaming her. What you going to do about it? You can't do nothing about it. And you're likely to lash out at her. Hmm. Oh, okay. There's so much wisdom. I am I'm overwhelmed. Uh, this is great. Um, ladies, do you all have any other specific questions? Because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to wrap things up around some of the internet banter that uh, Mr. Gerald just uh, just spoke about. So if y'all have some other questions y'all want to ask, please go ahead. Nothing. No. No. Okay. We can move on. We can go to the internet banter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 talk for a second about what the people came to talk about. So let me give some context to whoever may be listening or watching uh, whenever this gets posted. Um, I found Mr. Gerald because of the Psychology Today article uh, <laughs> entitled "The Rise of Lonely Single Men," and his YouTube video was literally the only YouTube video that came up where there was a man and specifically a black man mm -hmm. 
a space of accountability and empathy about the subject matter. To the point that he just made a few minutes ago, a lot of it is millennial men and their rinky-dink, wackadoodle podcasts mm-hmm. um, and YouTube channels and Twitch channels and Snapchats and Tiki-Takis talking about how terrible women are, how masculine we are, uh, especially Black women, how hyper-independent we are, how angry we are, how we don't submit, um, how we're not as kind and submissive and nice and feminine as other races of women. And so we're constantly kind of being barraged with all of this, to your point, Mr. Gerald, blame, 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 blame. And we already have been jumping up and down saying there's a train coming as it relates to many of the men in our generation being emotionally immature. Um, I won't have the the financial conversation because that's a whole other situation, but at, at minimum, the emotion, the lack of emotional maturity and the lack of ability to communicate with women in a way that is effective. So I would like to pose to the whole panel, what has been your experience of that? Um, what do you want to see change around some of this internet banter? And what are some of the things that you are specifically tired of or experience in this space? So whoever wants to start, go ahead. I'll give it to Mr. Gerald. My <laughs> hey, hey, look, just let me say this right here. Just let me say this. White folks cut down all the trees to make boats to bring our black asses over here, particularly black women, right? They thought you guys were valuable. Even if they said that you weren't valuable, they're not going to convince me that black women are valuable. Mm. Y'all got your problems. We got our problems, but I ain't blaming you. I'm trying to work with you. You guys are all beautiful women. Don't you valuable. Forget all that banter we get. All right. Now, uh, the the black black men in relationship men in general black men in particular are having the same problem in relationships that white society is having mm-hmm. we have to be willing to explore our new role mm-hmm. our new role right black people are gaining access to places and spaces and all that and white people got to get with the fact that you're not going to be running everything mm-hmm. you know you're not going to be running Black men have, and men in general have the same problem. Women make more money. They got careers. Y'all bad as hell. Doing all kind of stuff, right? <laughs> we got to get used to changing baby diapers, running vacuum cleaners, cooking food, going to work, being supportive. That's our new role. If we're willing to do that, we can have successful relationships. Just like white people can have a successful relationship with us in this society if they're willing to look at their new role. That's my belief. Right. So the role of lone, that article, lonely black men, it's a word for that. It's called evolution. Mm. That's all it is. We got to evolve. And if you don't evolve, it's a word for that, too. It's called death. Mm. So it's just that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think black women don't want black men. I think y'all want black men if you can get them. If you can have one, I think you want one. I don't think black women don't want to talk to black men. I think you would if you could. Right. I don't think black men don't want black women. I think they would get one if they could. So we got to figure out, right, how to change our, our attitude and our perception. This is the way the racism is working. It's pitting us against each other. It's a proxy war. They're using us against each other. In your neighborhood, it's other black people killing other black people. But that's the work of white supremacy. That's how it works. It pits us against each other. 
and we need each other. It's the only way we go do anything about what's happening. Turn to each other. Okay, I'm here for it. That's Patricia, like you was about to say something. Yeah, because I, I have some pushback, right? Because I think like outside, I. I have decided that I am no longer going to live towards the imagination of European white men, right? I need to imagine my own world, my own society. And so all of this uh, that we're receiving from the internet trolls, right, is because they keep imagining our lives in this European male standard, right? And so how do, so then like, how does that what does that work look like as as divorcing from this image this imagination that never included my role in the first place how what does that work look like in our own community well well i think i think in general the internet is negatively affecting our society mm. in general it it's it's like anything else it has a good side and a bad side the internet can propagate really good ideas, but it also propagates really bad ideas. I would recommend to anybody unplug from the internet, unplug, mm-hmm. right? And and Trish, I, I agree with you. Stay inside your hula hoop, create your own world, right? Remember relationships to me are about attraction and not promotion. So if you if you're enjoying your life, the right people will be attracted to you. Right. But if you're trying to trying to promote a relationship with somebody that might not be the right person, that's the, that's not the right thing to do. I don't think. Mm. Right. So so there's a lot of bad information on the Internet. Not all black men feel the same way about that, though. But many black men you find on the Internet feel that they want to blame black women, but not mm. all black men are blaming black women. Okay. Okay. I hear that. And I've also echoed those sentiments in other conversations that I've had with black men on a platform or someone asked me recently, you know, what do you think the gender wars is about? And I was like, I think that it's a, a part of the imagination of the Internet. We we are chaotic species in a lot of ways. I, you were talking earlier about us being mammals and we tend to turn to each other. We don't burrow in holes. We don't climb trees. But we're also chaotic species. We like negative information um, and we tend to share negative information faster um, at a faster rate. Then we do positive information, even though every individual is looking for a positive life experience. But I'm sure that's a whole other podcast. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of what is being talked about on the internet, a lot of that stuff is not happening in day to day. A lot of that stuff is not even happening on the dating apps. People want to be next to each other. People want to be in 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 relationship with each other. But also, to some of the points we talked about, they don't know how to, and then it turns into all the situations. And, and the thing that I would say that's dangerous about the internet that we need to become more aware of is that the algorithms are programmed for conflict because with conflict, you get more engagement. So this is by design. This is why democracies around the world are, are struggling because you can find somebody that believes what you believe and confirms your negative bias on the internet. A lot of the guys speaking about relationships on the internet are people that have relationship trauma from breakups and divorces. And they find a platform on the internet to just kind of spew this poisonous pedagogy. Mm. And the internet supports it. Mm. It supports it because it, it leads to engagement. Mm. You know, if you look at, if it, I'll, I'll just say this and then I'll leave it alone. If you look at the Trump's rhetoric, or if you look at some of these other guys on the internet, they're, they're basically 
championing a a type of uh interaction with women that's based on reptiles not mammals that you're going to dominate a woman that you're not going to have feelings that it's going to turn into an exchange a lot of them are basically supporting tricking that you're just gonna you're not going to engage with them you're not going to intertwine you're not going to marry it's just going to be a transaction that's what reptiles do mammals don't do that mm -hmm. right we we get together and we we do better in relationships we thrive we don't thrive like that. We don't thrive lonely. We don't do as good. Ooh, okay. I am I am thoroughly educated at this particular point. Thank you so much. Yes. This, is, this is this is this has been great. Um and I hope that everybody that gets a chance to listen to this, um, like I said, a lot of uh, to your to the points we've been making about folks not seeing content on the internet. That is actually wholesome and good for you and it's going to be helpful in building better processes and communication in your life is not there so i hope that we've been able to achieve that um so thank you so much um for all that wisdom uh we are going to move it to the bottom of the show um because we don't want to keep everybody too long uh I, I am a product of the baptist church and we were real good at going two and a half hours if needed <laughs> what's going on Harrison, what you want? um dr chambers are you accepting clients right now are you what insurance no. do you take no. Now I'm limited, right? I'm limited okay. to California, right? Yeah. But look, mm -hmm. look, look, I can be, you can reach me on YouTube. You know, I, I, I'm talking crazy about the internet, but that's how you can stay up on <laughs> You can hit me on my website. I will chop it up with you if you're outside the state, right? Okay. It's not a problem, but I can only practice in the state of California. Okay. okay. Understood. And we'll make sure that we share all that information as we get to the bottom of the show. So um, we ate good today, y'all. This was a really, really good <laughs> I feel really, really good about this. This is great. So thank y'all so much. Um, so we were going to promote another book, but Mr. Chambers made an ex a, a, a executive decision. Um, we are actually going to, for the month of September, we're going to read all about love, new visions by Bell Hooks. And so really quick, Mr. Chambers, I would love for you to give us some insight about when you read the book, how it impacted you and why you recommended that book. Look, this is what I figured out about me. My family did the best they could, but I didn't get the love that I needed. I didn't know that I didn't, that I didn't get it. And everything that I did was an effort for me to try to get the love. Misinformed, not good, but everything I was doing, I was trying to get the love that I needed. I'm an adult now. I got a program now. I got some people that helped me figure out how to say what I need and they'll actually give it to me. I don't have anybody in my life that won't do what I need them to do if I say, hey, I need this rather than that. So now I'm able to focus in and make sure I got the love in my life that I need. Mm -hmm. That's what the book, Bell Hooks book is about. How do we get the love in our life that we need? Mm -hmm. How do we get people to give us that? How do we know what that is? That's why that's so important because love is a big deal. You don't go anywhere without that. Mm -hmm. We mammals, we care about each other. We're lizards. <laughs> <laughs> well, duly noted. What I got from it is I need to get some lizards about my circle. So with that, right. <laughs> y'all make sure that y'all get a copy of All About Love: New Visions by Bell Hooks, and of course, may she rest in peace. She recently transitioned. Um, but we appreciate all of her work and everything that she contributes to the literary world, and also to uh, any diasporic adventures and ventures that and endeavors that we all 
move into eventually. Okay. Moving to one of the fun parts of the show. And of course, if people don't have one, I always have one. Let goes. As Auntie mm-hmm. Nick would say, sometimes in this life, you go to the wing spot, you order your food, get it home, try to nibble it up, and them cries is cold. You gotta let it go, you gotta return. Anybody have any let goes or returns uh, today? Auntie Trisha's nodding her head, so we're gonna go ahead and let you go first on the uh on 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 program today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I am letting go of people trying to make old things seem new. If this is old, we have done this before. We do not need to repackage this or to stress over it or to be chaotic just because you feel like it's a new thing. We've done this before. It's old. Don't <laughs> don't make it new. Okay. I'll just have an expiration date on it. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you. Anyone else have any let goes or returns today? I want to let go of these internet trolls that have all of us up in arms over <laughs> non-issues. Okay. Let okay. them go. And okay. I just want to encourage people, like uh, Mr. Gerald said, to unplug from social media. It's not healthy to be in that world all the time mm-hmm. because people are trolling us. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't fall for it. And, and, you- and, and my let go is let go of blame. Mm. It's not helping you. Mm-hmm. Let go of blame. Okay. Yeah. I'm here for that. And so is Stryker. Stryker said, yes. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, in that same vein, um, I'm going to say let go of your ego today. Um, a lot of times, and I can say this for myself, operating in my ego has not been fulfilling for me. Um, it is so much more fun, so much more enriching to be in a vulnerable space, be honest, be authentic. Uh, it's okay to speak scared, even if your voice shakes and tell me all the time, still say something. So I'm going to let go of ego today. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have ego death uh, here on the episode. So definitely appreciate that. Thank you all so much for your let goes. Um, and last but not least, it's a go box. Sometimes you go to the cookout, got some leftovers. You want to take some potato salad, some macaroni and cheese, some baked beans, a little bit of grilled chicken. You know what I'm saying? A little red velvet cake home. You wrap it up. You want to take it to go. So does anybody have anything to give to the people for this week to go and possibly, you know, carry them through the week? Something that you want people to nibble on. Anybody want to go first? I'll go. Okay. I'll, I'll go. Hey, hey, how about gratitude for the smallest things you can think of? The small things, not the big things, the small stuff. It's an antidepressant. Seriously. So you wait, I, I do want to kind of expand on this. You said that gratitude is um, a, a, a kind of a medication. Antidepressant. Yeah, a antidepressant. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't see the negative stuff, but make sure you see the stuff that's working in your doggone mm-hmm. life. What's working? Mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get blinded by stuff that, that's not working or that scares you. We got a lot to be grateful for yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I can do no better than that. Anybody else got any to go box today? 
I think Miss Trisha did. Auntie Trisha. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, and this from Dr. Chambers. I'm stealing some of your words from earlier. We didn't talk about it much, but at one point you said, just because it's not sufficient doesn't mean you don't need it. And I feel like I operate in this isn't fulfilling me, this isn't working for me, but that doesn't mean I don't need it. I still need it even though I don't find it sufficient, right? And so I'm I'm taking that. Thank you for that because I felt like I, I heard that very clear on my end. Yes. Oh, I it's just that. that we may need more than that, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we don't need that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much wisdom. That's why I'm so excited, y'all. I, I was really, really excited to get Mr. Chambers on. He's so amazing. Um, with that said, we have definitely reached the bottom of the show. Um, anybody listening or watching, make sure that you follow the Extra Crispy Extra Wet podcast on Instagram at Extra Crispy Extra Wet. Make sure that if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or even emotional outbursts, critiques, or feedback for us, you can email us. Hello at ExtraCrispyExtraWet.com. If you want to get some get some 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 nibbles, a few bites, or maybe even you want to gobble up a buffet of Mr. Gerald's content, you can find him on YouTube. Tell him how to find you on YouTube, Mr. Gerald. Just just go GeraldChambers.com. <laughs> Gerald, you know, you go to my website. Just go to YouTube. You know, I don't have a big channel, but I try to, you know, just be helpful. And we're gonna speak life. You You're gonna have an amazing channel because a lot of people need to watch and listen to you because mm -hmm. you're very calming. It's great listening to your voice. You speak wisdom. It's amazing. And obviously, also y'all continue to visit us on Wednesdays for Extra Wet Wednesdays on IG at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, Auntie Trisha, for jumping on. Thank you, Auntie Kaylee, for all of your great questions. This is exciting for it to be your first time, Auntie Trisha. And I hope you come back to join us, Thank and Mr. Carroll. I hope there's an opportunity for us to bring you back on. But above all else, peace and blessings. Thank you for coming to visit us. Y'all know how we do down here in the A. We don't say goodbye. We just say, all right, then, Shadi. All right, then, Shadi. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>